Welcome to the Freelancer's Guide to Life and Business. This is Emily Leach, your host. This podcast is about real people running successful freelance businesses and living a full life. It's about sharing those actions and strategies that these people used to overcome challenges that could have stopped them in their tracks. It's about how you can pull from these lessons to navigate your own challenges and come out the other side quicker. Being stronger together means sharing our stories that are full of meaningful nuggets to help you get more out of your freelance business. So let's get on with the show. So let's dive right in and get to talking to Holly G. You have done so much cool stuff that I have seen in through photography, and I'm super excited to hear more about what you're doing with your freelance space. But thank you so much for getting online and spending some time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm super flattered. So I know that, you know, we've talked a couple of different times and you, you know, worked in the corporate space and a lot of freelance business owners started there. You know, it's easy when you get out of college or out of high school to go into that space and begin to find who and what you are and get some skills. What got you into being a freelancer? You know, you're a photographer now. Have you done other things as a freelancer? I do so much. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like if you were to walk up to me and ask me what I do, I would say, and I've done this before. I just say name something. And <laughs> most of the time I say, yep. <laughs> but now I started freelancing after I left marketing agency that I was at for six, seven years. It was very small team. It was only like me, the CEO, and maybe one or two interns and then a few contractors. You know, and it's one of those positions where it happens in small businesses and startups all the time. You know, you have this big grand title, but really you're managing yourself, you know. And I just had this desire to like go off on my own. And I really didn't know what freelancing was until I got into that setting. And, you know, we started yeah. hiring contractors and freelancers. And, you know, going out on your own is super scary. And at the time, like, I didn't know where I would really find clients. And, Austin freelance gigs like helped me out a lot. I was making oh wow yeah that was like my steady stream of of clients for quite some time yeah so thank you so much for that group but you know there's a couple of other sites that I'm on where you know I forget I even have a profile up and then I'll get an email out of the blue it says hey I saw your portfolio on here I'd like to hire you and I'm like wow that's a probably a really old resume on there. <laughs> <laughs> so do you mind sharing a couple of those? Because I'm always interested where people are, especially freelance business owners, where they're finding yeah. work. Because it's always got to be more than one spot. Yeah, absolutely. You got to cast a wide net. Hubstaff, I believe, is where people okay. are finding me. I kind of don't like Upwork. And they're being more restrictive as of late. I know they're, they're charging people to apply for jobs now, which I kind of don't like. And a colleague of mine is developing a platform to compete with that. And it's called the busy business. It's a female owned startup. She's out of San Antonio. And so hmm. she's got her beta out right now. And I told her I'll be her first customer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like seeing the platforms that come out that are just trying to do it different. Yeah. And how many different ways are there going to be? We won't know, I guess, until we get there. Right. But at least I've heard of trying. a lot of people starting out on Fiverr. I really don't like that platform. If I'm trying to get something done really quickly that I just don't have time to do, then maybe I would hire somebody on there. But like, I just don't agree with working for pennies, you know, but people have told me like even at FreeCon and someone said they started out there just to get some experience. 
Yeah, if you have no experience, I guess getting paid 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever the dollar amount is, just mm-hmm. to start to build a portfolio and not have to go find somebody. You can find something really quick, get it done, and you're done, you know, maybe in a period of a week, you mm-hmm. could potentially get four or five projects done. So now you have a portfolio. I could see the advantage in that. Yeah. Maybe. I started out really with word of mouth, like working for the production company, doing graphic design. You know, like people would hit me up if they needed album design work done or logos every once in a while. I think logo design came later for me. I mean, I'm self-taught with everything. So I don't, you know, when I started out and I was doing posters, I didn't know anything about logo design or web design or anything. So it's been wild to watch my own progress over the years, just through practice, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I can relate. I'm pretty much self-taught on almost everything that I've done. And I think it is a uniqueness, you know, for those of us that can just kind of dive in and teach ourselves something. Right. The resources are out there. Absolutely a blessing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what would you say your biggest challenge has been so far in creating a freelance business? I am terrible with taxes and tracking my pay (laughs) and all of that is non-existent for me. And that's terrible. It's just awful. I'm embarrassed to say that. (laughs) No, you're definitely not alone. That's probably one big thing that I hear from tons of freelance business owners. So how do you handle that? Um, I will get back to you when I figure that out. (laughs) But okay, so here's a good one. And I'm wondering, I'm sure a lot of people have this kind of problem. When I have multiple clients at once, everybody's got different platforms that they prefer to either communicate on or manage projects. Yes. And so it's kind of frustrating to have three or four different project management tools, communication avenues, things like that. Google Drive accounts, different storage accounts like, you know, AWS or Dropbox or things like that. And and it's hard to keep track of like where, what client is using what. And, you know, a lot of that stuff takes up space on your computer too. So I'm going to start charging people when they have me (laughs) download something else. Because honestly, I need to start thinking about space on my hard drive as money. Hmm. I hadn't really thought about that. That's an interesting one, but I've noticed the same thing. Even when I, you know, for the freelance conference, when I bring in two or three different freelancers for different parts of the process, mm-hmm. they've all got a different platform that they would like me to use. And it's like, well, I, I have to have my team all in one spot. Right. And so I get it and trying to figure out without it overloading my email and all the different things. And also we all need to receive information Mm-hmm. a little different. It's funny when I get to working with a freelancer and they want to email back and forth. And that's like the last place I want to get information through my email. That kind of information is through email. Yeah. Um, Everybody's or, different. I, yeah. I like email because it's easily searchable by like a word. Like if I'm searching for a keyword, it will bring up a conversation. You know, I'd rather do that than like scroll through Slack or search for a conversation on Slack. I know you can also search through keywords there, but Yeah, I know it's not for everyone, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so I personally, I do pretty well with a combination of email and Slack. And so my rule is, if this is helpful for anybody, is if it's just quick back and forth, I got a quick question for you or something like that, please Slack me. And if it's absolute, you know, if you sent me something on Slack and I didn't answer and it is absolutely urgent, Mm -hmm. text me. Yep. And if it's a conversation that we need to work something through and we need that documentation of, let's go to email. Yeah, that makes sense. 
but I'm a pretty big email, what do they call it, mailbox zero person. So oh, that's okay. why I don't want all of the little, hey, are you available this afternoon? You know, something like that. I don't want that stuff to come through my email. Yeah. It's so easy to get flooded, you know, especially when you have like multiple project management tools and, you know, subscriptions and things like that that just send you emails multiple times a day and alerts and yes oh look as we speak healthcare.gov which I want nothing to do with emails (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's another part of that frustration of like having so many different subscriptions to appease clients and how they communicate is like you're not just signing up for this platform they're also going to be emailing you multiple times even if it's just news and you have to go in and unsubscribe And that's a big frustration with a lot of the freelance websites too, or job boards or anything, you know, they kind of bombard you with emails a lot. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't get on a bunch of lists and stuff for that exact reason. I just, I won't read the emails. I would like Mm -hmm. to know the information. So I have to find other ways to get to it. I've really enjoyed getting on LinkedIn. I love the fact that it doesn't have, and I hope it stays that way. I love that it doesn't have all the drama and the politics and all that, that I tend to find on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I can find much better information on there. Yeah, absolutely. So since you... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask real quick, since you're... I I love this conversation about all the different platforms and the communication styles. And so when you start up a project, what are some of the things or a thing that you do specifically to make sure that you're successful, that you're in alignment with your clients? to keep that project going as smoothly as possible? Well, I've learned over the years to absolutely outline the terms as early on as possible and try to predict any hangups that may happen early and kind of address the what ifs and this is what will happen if this happens to kind of like keep edits down and things like that to keep the whole back and forth down. For instance, like I have a huge video editing project I'm doing right now and I did the similar work for the same client earlier this year and I didn't put in the terms like, Hey, you get X amount of edits per video. And this was like, you know, 60 to 75 videos, you know, and there was many that we were going back and forth on and this project went on months after it should have. And I was you just like learn over the years through trial and error. So trying to communicate those kind of things as early as possible and just kind of predict anything that may happen later and kind of iron those things out early on. And uh, absolutely, like if the client doesn't have like a preferred project management tool, then I 100% of the time like introduce them to Trello because it's super easy to navigate through and understand. And so I try to keep most of our communication through that, you know, as far as like notes on the project and things like that. That way I'm not, you know, back and forth with email and Slack and things like that. Yeah, I've definitely found that the least amount of number of platforms, the Mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And unfortunately, I like to go try platforms. I like to go check things out and see how they work. And I also, you know, it's funny. It's like I want to find the one or two that I'll use for the rest of my life. But at the same time, I know that as new people create new platforms, there's something they've added functionality, they've changed the way that the process flows and it might work better for me. And so then I find myself going and (laughs) trying out new stuff and then I want to change over to that one. And so it's it's like a double-edged sword. Right, right. There's new stuff, but then I want to try it. And then I drive people crazy because I want to try new stuff. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sometimes it's not a bad thing to have a client that is introducing you to new tools. Earlier on in my freelancing venture, I tried Asana and it was just like too all over the place for me, I felt like. Me too. Um, yeah. Well, then I signed on briefly with a, a company that was doing some, essentially some ghostwriting for it. Was, I was ghostwriting articles and they were paying way too little. So I parted ways with them, but they were very, very into organization on it. So I kind of forced myself to get into using it. And they also did like a little mini orientation. They hired on a handful of writers. So we did that. And so it's not only Asana, but then they have this other tool. And since it was articles, you know, they did a lot of, they had a team that did SEO and stuff. And so they would kind of plug in each project on this tool. And they had a list of keywords that you had to use. And this tool, you would paste it in your article and it would grade your article based on SEO points, you know. So that was interesting, and and that's a tool that I definitely want to use like later on as I do more copywriting if I wind up doing any more. So that's cool. Like I was, I wasn't very happy with like the company, but on the other hand, they introduced me some cool tools, so I enjoyed that. And that's a great way to do it because then you have real data that you're learning the tool or the product on. It's pretty tough to go and really learn and understand the functionality of a platform when you're making up stuff because you make up stuff to fit in that little hole that it's asking you. For and then when you go to use it in real life, you're like, going, Oh, this doesn't work very well at all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that happens too. Mm-hmm. So, what routines have you created? I'd love to hear what people are doing in their day to day. You know, do you have some special morning routines or project specific routines that you just kind of make sure that you always do to keep things on track? Hmm. This is probably a really bad tactic, but the first thing I do when <laughs> I open my eyes is look through my email. <laughs> And make sure nothing pressing is going on. Make sure there's no fires I need to put out. And then I'll kind of get my day started. I do the same. And I think what you were probably alluding to is about every business book that you read says never do that. Never make that the first thing you do. So I've tried to remove that, you know, and go for my bike ride first or my workout or whatever. And I find that I'm spending the majority of that time on my bike ride or my workout or whatever that I'm supposed to be enjoying myself worrying that there's something in my email that I didn't address. Right. And so I just go back to it. Yeah. It's probably not an example of like the healthiest freelancer out there, but I feel like I thrive in stressful situations. Like even though I'm stressed, like there's got to be a reason I keep myself there probably because like, I feel like I produce the best work there. Not sure, but I'm definitely like a work till 4am type person. You know, and sometimes I get pretty down on myself about my routine or lack thereof. But then I sit back and think like, this is the reason I got into freelancing so that I could design my own day and work how I want to work and make my own decisions. You know, it's not always a bad thing to, you know, if you feel like you work better at night, then work at night and enjoy your day. You know, I feel like I'm more productive at night. Yeah, I'm actually the opposite, but I kind of interesting that you said that. I kind of struggle with the same thing, continually trying to create at least some routines for myself during the day, but all of them feel so unnatural. Yeah. So maybe I haven't found the right routine yet, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm just fighting my own natural way of being because I feel like if I'm like the way the books tell me to be, I'll be more productive, but everybody tells me that I'm extremely productive the way that I am, so it's kind of nice to meet somebody that sounds like they keep kind of keep rubbing up against that same yeah. brick wall. 
yeah. I think that's common with freelancers. Like you work alone, so you kind of feel alone in a lot of your what you're going through. But you know, I've learned a lot from my partner who works for probably one of the biggest tech companies in the world and he works from home. So he's got a home office and he's, you know, he's been working for them for years and he has his own routines and stuff. And he's told me like for years that I need space to separate myself from work. Like when I leave work, I need to leave work. You know, he gets fully dressed every morning, shoes on and everything. Like he's leaving the house for work and his desk setup is an office setting, you know, and he's got two desks in his office, one for his play, one for, you know, gaming and stuff, his own computer, and one for, um, you know, his work with the company. So when he leaves that desk, he leaves work over there. And, you know, he's constantly telling me, like, you need a routine, you need to, like, not work in your underwear, like, act like you're (laughs) going to work, you know, so that you can separate your home life from your work life, even though you're working from home. So I'm really trying to follow that and see if that works for me. I would love to hear how it works for you because I've tried it off and on over the years as well. And it can work for a little while and then it just starts to rub again. And I'm like, this isn't why I work for myself. I want to be able to sit in my lazy chair, easy chair, whatever this is called. Sorry, easy chair, I think is what it's called, with my computer on my lap and sit here and feel creative and get up and go grab some chocolate or something if I want to. And not sit at a desk. Yeah. I don't enjoy it. I mean, I have my, like I'm sitting at my work desk right now. It just happens to be in the living room. And what has really helped me is like the kind of things that I surround myself with. Maybe I should have turned on my camera, but I have my (laughs) whole house is floor to ceiling antiques and things that I just love looking at and being around and, you know, inspires me creatively and stuff. So Definitely your environment is what is going to spark that work ethic. Yeah. What I found interesting for myself is that if I'm paying invoices, if I'm doing my books, you know, that kind of like really linear kind of mind stuff, Mm -hmm. I'll go sit at my desk. Yeah. It's business time. (laughs) Yes. But if I'm working on like a website or some graphic stuff, I'm, you know, I'm not a graphic designer, but I can play in it some, Mm -hmm. then I like to sit in my easy chair. That's interesting. You have different settings for different kinds of work that you do. And I have tried really hard over the years. I mean, I've literally given the easy chair away, so I don't have and can't use it (laughs) only to go and get another one, you know, a year later or something like that. Cause I've tried working at couches. I've tried all the other things and there's something about an easy chair that just works for me. So I've given up. Here I am. What is what is special about the easy chair? Is it more ergonomic or are you just more comfy in it? Or A couple things. I think I'm probably more comfy in it. And the way the arm rests are is just perfect for me to put my mouse on mm-hmm. and rest my entire arm on over there. And I can, you know, put the foot part up and just kind of sit here and work for hours. I have... Probably the worst posture of anyone you've ever met. (laughs) And I've had this thing since I was like in kindergarten. I remember getting in trouble with my teacher for this. Like right now I'm sitting on my right ankle and I have my left leg like propped up on the chair and I have like self-diagnosed restless leg syndrome. (laughs) So my legs are, (laughs) I constantly have to switch positions. So I could be in the most comfy or ergonomic chair in the world and I would still sit so terribly. 
Oh yeah, I'm always having to move too. And maybe that's the other thing I like about the chair is I can just take and I usually have one leg kind of knee up on the side arm, the arm rest, mm-hmm. the other one straight. And then about every 10 or 15 minutes, I just change them. Yep. And it's easy to do and I don't have to get up and move and all that kind of stuff. I can just change my legs and kind of keep working and change my legs and kind of keep working. Wow, this is fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) You know what else gets me through the day is like just little rewards. I noticed that I'm kind of, so this is something I learned at FreeCon about myself. I am rewarded by natural consequences. I forgot what her name was. She had like the best panel on Tuesday. What was it? Yeah, it was oh, Tuesday. Elaine? Elaine Popel? Yes, she was my favorite speaker. And uh, I was like, wow, I'm absolutely that person that just grinds and gets things done last minute. And that's yep. just always how I've done things, even as a kid, you know? And it's it doesn't, like, sacrifice the quality of my work or anything. It's just, like, I am clearly fueled by natural consequences. <laughs> but then like while I'm doing that work, I'm like, okay, I'm going to reward myself by doing this or, you know, buying myself this or that. But like when I first started with the accelerator program, I found that the little daily rewards, like going and working out of this one specific coffee shop slash beer place, I would go and I'd sit down and I'd have like a really good kolache and a beer and no matter if it was like 1030 in the morning, 11 in the morning or something, I would just have a beer and I would get a lot done. And it's just like little rewards like that, that, that will keep you going instead of, you know, just sitting at home and, you know, not leaving the house and stuff. It's good to like shake up the environment once in a while. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest things for me is I don't do consistency, the exact same thing over and over again. I don't do that well at all. I need to be able to shake it up. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll go days and I'll forget that I haven't even left the house. Yeah. So I try to remind myself, like, go work from Batch or Halcyon or, you know, I try to not go to the same coffee shop every day. Sometimes I'll work from home in between, try to break it up a little bit. I definitely don't want to be that regular, you know. I feel weird about sitting in a coffee shop all day and just kind of using their internet. I feel guilty. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Well, listening to this, I'm actually realizing that one of the things that I do to switch things up is I go get really consistent. Mm. So like, you know, Orange Coworking is right down the the street from me and I love going there Mm -hmm. and until I go very consistently and I'll do that maybe for like a few weeks or something like that, then I got to switch that up. So then I quit going and (laughs) I work more from home. So it's interesting that I didn't even realize until listening to us have this conversation that I use consistency to switch up inconsistency. I feel like I've done the same thing. (laughs) Like I'll go to, I'll alternate between home and one specific coffee shop. And then I'll alternate between home and another one. I live on the East side. So there's like a few really, really neat places. And this place called Springdale general was just built down the street from my house. Very recently, we have a cafe Medici that has a co-working space above it, which I was not aware of until I signed on one of my advisors with my company and he's like, we were having our first meeting and he's like, come meet at my co-working space. And I was like, wow, that's walking distance from my house. This is amazing. And so I started co-working out of there. Awesome. So are you a reader? Am I a reader? You know what? Probably not. When I was a kid, I used to, I loved, I loved like fantasy books and stuff. I was a huge Lord of the Rings fan and I loved Orwell and 
I was just like really picky choosy on books, but now, you know, I'll read things if they're news articles or if they're little guides that are like business related or startup related. Like I feel like I need to get something out of everything I read now. And maybe that's not healthy. (laughs) I don't know. I think that could just a symptom of, you know, a change in our overall kind of culture and society that time is limited. And if I'm going to spend time doing something, I want to get something out of it. So how do you find, where do you find, you know, a lot of people read business books and things like that. Where do you find those resources of either business knowledge or inspiration? Lately for me, this past year, it's been all from mentors, you know, advisors, word of mouth, things like that. It seems like every time I sit down with somebody, they've got an answer to my questions through this book that they've read and they refer me to it. My advisor recommended me this book called Never Lost Again, which I wound up like signing up for Audible so that I could listen listen to to it it. while while I'm driving and stuff. I've never done that before, but I really enjoyed it. And it was a really interesting story about the small startup that was responsible for what would later become Google Maps, Google Street View, all those things, which later became Niantic, which is the company behind Pokemon Go and... They have a few other apps, too, that were really big before Pokemon Go was. And that's relevant to my business. So I was like, absolutely, I want to listen to this. And the story was amazing. And wow, the guy that wrote it lives in Austin. And Niantic is based in Austin. So, huh. uh, of course, I was super interested in it. Well, thanks for sharing that. Because that's actually the question that I was going to ask you is, what is a book that's had a big impact on you? And it sounds like it was never lost again. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I didn't really know the story totally behind Google and how things came to be. And I did not realize that there was a small startup that, man, really changed the world as far as mapping goes. And when you think of maps, you think Google Maps, but all the companies that are around are like, you know, think about Favor wouldn't be around if it weren't for Google Maps. Lyft, Uber, all those companies wouldn't be around if it weren't for Google Maps, you know? Yeah. I would never be able to make it from one side of Houston to the other. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't. Yeah. There was a time when we didn't have it, but I only barely remember it. So yeah, I mean, it's, and you probably just touched the very tip of all the things that wouldn't be here without a system like Google Maps. Oh, absolutely. It saved some people's lives during Katrina too. That book is worth a read or a listen. And and it was written by Bill Kilday. I'm going to go look that one up. Thanks so much. So I got one last question and then we'll wrap this up. And my last question for you is, in your head, what do you hear or feel maybe when you hear the phrase financial wellness? (laughs) Financial wellness. I don't get anxiety when I get a bill in the mail. That's what I think about financial wellness. (laughs) No, that's a really good one. Yeah, hopefully someday I'm in a position where I can never look at a bill again and have someone do that for me. (laughs) Yeah, that one's, I'm literally sitting here kind of thinking and sitting with that one. It's like going, okay. It's very succinct because there's so much in that answer. Yeah. Yeah. You ever have those days where you just feel like everyone's out for your money? Uh Just this one specific day, you're like, hmm, I'm kind of getting ahead. And then you open up your mailbox (laughs) and there's... (laughs) some tolls you forgot about and then you forgot your phone bill automatically drops and then yep oh it's grocery shopping day or 
and then, you know, a million other things pop up and you're like, no, I thought I was ahead. I guess not. Maybe next month. Yeah, I do. I have been there. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess financial wellness, not living paycheck to paycheck. That's what that means to me. All right. That's a good one. Thank you so much for all the stories and diving into some areas that I would never have expected that I just absolutely love today. Thank you. I had a great time. Well, everybody, make sure you hit subscribe. Thank you for listening. And again, thank you one more time, Holly, for giving us some of your time. And until next time, this program has been sponsored by Prudential. Prudential is helping Americans achieve financial wellness. Learn more about Prudential and find customized education and tools for independent workers at prudential.com slash independent worker.